This podcast is for PR pros who are looking to discover the best strategies for landing their dream retainer clients and scoring them top tier media coverage. I'm your host, Jen Burson, and I want you to have a fulfilling career in PR that totally lights you up without sacrificing your personal or family time or your sanity. Welcome to the Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pitching Powerhouse. Uh, If you're a regular here, you've listened to a couple episodes, even if you just listen for a little bit, I would be so grateful if you would do two things. One, wherever you listen to podcasts, if it's Spotify or Apple or wherever, please, please rate our show. Um, It really helps other people find us. And we're all about helping people in their careers. So the more people that can find us, the more impact we we get to have for our PR community. And second, reach out to me on Instagram. Um, I'm at Generation PR with a J and send me a DM and just let me know you're listening and tell me a little bit about your business. Nothing would make me happier. I absolutely love hearing from this community and I'm so delighted, honestly, every single time I hear from someone that they found us, the Profitable PR Pros, through the podcast. So Anybody who's new here or anybody that is uh, regular in our community, they know that I teach to this framework that I developed. It's called the path to profitability. And one of the pillars, well, there's four pillars, strategy, sales, service, and scale. And everything we work on and the flow we get you into in running your agency all centers around those four pillars. And then as you grow your business, you get more results, you start to attract bigger clients, you kind of go back to the strategy piece at the front and revisit your approach, your pricing, the kinds of clients you're going after because you're now leveraging the results you got for other clients. And the big piece of what allows you and your agency to work with your dream clients And like your ideal clients, just, you know, brands or companies or entrepreneurs that you absolutely love, if it's musicians or artists or authors, whatever your passion is, having a niche in that expertise is going to make you a magnet for your ideal clients. So let me say that again. When you declare a niche, which is who you serve and how you serve them, and you go deep and you become an expert, you start to know all the players, all the media contacts, all the movers and shakers in that niche, you will start to secure results that you can leverage to attract bigger clients, you know, more aligned with your dream clients, and also clients that will pay your retainer at a higher rate because they know they are paying for your expertise and you are exactly the right fit for them. So with that in mind, We know that your goal is to nail down your niche or a couple of different niches. Um, If you say niche, fine, (laughs) your niche, your niche, whatever it is, we want you to not go completely broad and try to help everyone. When you try to be all things to all people, you end up being nothing to anybody. So choose your niche. And when that happens, you start working with multiple clients in that same space And sometimes they're uh, pretty complimentary, 
Um, but what happens when you start to take on more clients in that same niche and they have similar products, similar audiences, uh, it, it gets to be a little tricky. You know, we always want to act ethically in our business. We always want to be above board and make sure that our clients know that we are partners to them. So I'm going to talk about how you handle the situation of taking on clients when you've niched down and, you know, looking out for competition and how you navigate pitching your media contacts, whether the clients are simply just similar or if they're full out competitors. That's where it gets a little dicey. So let's dive into this. Um, the very first thing I will say is when you are approached by a prospective client and there may be a potential conflict of interest and you're considering it, you always should inform your existing clients and the clients that you're kind of courting or they're interested in working with you of the companies you're already working with so that they can sign off on it and kind of, you know, get their stamp of approval. Now, clients don't obviously own you unless they're paying for some exclusivity, which I'll talk about in a minute. But this expertise that you've honed, the contacts you've made, the knowledge that you've secured in these niches that make you so valuable, that's worth a lot. So having a client come in and kind of block out that entire category, that's preventing you from earning an income. So you have to be able to figure out how you can work with as many clients that fall under your niches as possible without having a straight conflict. So think about, you know, communication, always the golden rule with working with clients and you always want to inform them about, about any conflict. Sometimes I'll even let my clients know, hey, I'm not planning to work with this company, but so-and-so reached out to us. They must see the work that we're doing together and they're interested in working with us. And I let my clients know, I want them to know that we are a partner to them and I will tell them it's a straight competitor and I will not be taking on the work. Um, like, for example, we have a breast pump company because my expertise is in baby and kids brands um, in addition to beauty and cosmetics. So we had two breast pump. We have an existing breast pump company and then a newer one coming to us that had a bigger budget, a bigger name in the industry. And I had to turn the new one down. I mean, new to me, they were established, but I have such a great uh, experience and a great rapport with our existing client. They pay their bills on time. If there's any work that's outside scope, we let them know how much it's going to cost and they agree to it. They're always really happy with our results. They're always really friendly on calls. And the biggest thing, and you know, when you have a client that does this, how valuable it is, they leave us alone and they let us do our job. That to me is like the golden, uh, you know, golden goose, right? So I'm not going to jeopardize that great relationship to go see if something better is out there. And I know that that client would be pretty upset if we took on their direct competitor. So a company that is a direct competitor would have a similar product, similar price points, a similar audience. Um, 
you know, maybe they're directly competing for the same customer, uh, you know, that's up to you to sort of figure it out. And maybe when you started working with them, they let you know when you kicked off and asked them about their business and asked them to let you know about their competitors or brands that inspire them. That really helps to understand where you, where your clients see themselves going. Um, maybe they informed you and they said, this company is our, our competition. Now imagine you took them on. I think that that alienates your existing relationship. It doesn't really show loyalty. It doesn't show that you are truly a partner to them. Instead, when it's a direct competitor, I will let the other new company know that I can't because it's a conflict of interest. And then I honestly tell my clients and say, hey, you know, I want them to know we're in demand. Um, we're loyal to you. And sometimes it's a good opportunity to bring up renewing their contract. But if they are looking for brand uh, exclusivity in a certain category and they have a problem with you working with other similar clients, I've had clients like this that will say, well, I don't want you working with anybody else in the baby and kid space. Like, are you kidding me? I've taken 10 years. Now I'm 17 years into it, but that happened to me Um about 10 years into my relationship with a client, we had done amazing work and we had built this reputation and expertise in the baby and kid space. So we were starting to get a lot of companies coming to us looking for similar results. This is where you leverage the results you get for clients to attract more clients in that niche who seek you out as an expert and you charge a higher retainer. Well, this client was adamant about us not working with any company in their niche, baby and kids. And I'm like, wait, hold up, wait a minute. That is totally unfair because these are uh, clients that don't directly compete with you. Yeah, they're baby and kids brands, but they're not the same kind. It's not the same customer. It's not the same price point. And if you want to have category exclusivity, it comes at a price. So if your client is adamant that they want to be the only company in their very specific niche that you work with, you can offer them an exclusivity package. And that is where you agree to only work with that company in that industry, but they have to pay for that. Think of the opportunity cost. You're, you're losing out on tens of thousands of dollars every single month by giving them exclusivity, right? So if you think of it that way, you agree not to do business with their really eager competitors and you're continuing to just work with them without an exclusivity fee, you're essentially losing out on revenue from a client that you just lost. You know, somebody that was really eager to work with you and you had to say no. But if you charge an extra fee, at least you're getting some extra money out of the deal, kind of covering that lost revenue. And you would have um, you know, some of that lost opportunity cost covered with that exclusivity. But if your client doesn't want to pay for that exclusivity, you have to come to terms, or pardon me, they will have to come to terms with you working with other clients in their industry who are interested in the fantastic results that you generate for your clients. And this goes back to that key principle in the strategy pillar of this path to profitability, I teach in my agency accelerator. Man, that's a lot of words that if you've never been here before, you're probably like, what is she talking about? I have this signature program. It's, I mean, I believe it's incredible. We've transformed 
hundreds of agencies all over the world. You know, at this point, we've served like 29 countries. Um, People go through this program and they get all of the strategy, all of the resources, checklists, tip sheets, templates, contracts, things they're going to need at every phase of business. We have brand new agency owners. We have 30-year seasoned agency owners going through the agency accelerator. And Um, implementing, applying that path to profitability framework and the strategy behind it to leverage their results, build their agency with bigger clients, higher retainers. That's the goal. Niche down so you can kind of work less and make more. That's how you do it. Okay. So when you give exclusivity, you are missing out on a huge opportunity to leverage your expertise, right? And make money and attract bigger clients with higher retainers. So that's something to consider. But if it's somebody or a brand and an entrepreneur that's similar, um, but not exactly the same. I mean, I've gotten as granular as a company that would sell baby gear and one like, you know, car seats, strollers, that sort of thing. One is a very high end premium line, you know, thousands of dollars. And the other one is more of a mass market line, totally different target customers, totally different um, approach to pitching the media. One is aspirational and luxury. The other one is mass market, affordable, you know, totally user-friendly. And so in that sense, having one client and then the other client just helped both of them because then our media contacts come to us and say, hey, what do you got? We know you represent a lot of baby brands with gear, what, you know, throw some stuff our way. So sometimes taking on a client in a similar category, maybe it's even more well-known than your existing client, will help bring them opportunities that maybe they wouldn't otherwise get because media is reaching out to you for this cooler, bigger, new client, and you can then throw the other client's hat in the ring. Um, So it's not always a bad thing. It shouldn't ever be positioned to their detriment. It should be positioned as a positive, but only if you feel comfortable that they're not direct competitors or you're not kind of pulling the wool over your client's eyes and not telling them. I think that's unethical. We like to really show our clients, we are a partner to you. We've got your back. This is what's going on. I believe we can successfully promote both brands and kind of leverage both uh, brands to create more opportunities for the other, but I would really love your sign off. And if they're like, I'm not comfortable with it, we'll say, well, you know, there isn't exclusivity. And if you're going to kind of prevent us from working with um, the entire category, then we need to rethink the contract with exclusivity because it currently doesn't exist. And I reached out to you as a courtesy. Okay. So think about that. Um, uh, okay. Let me talk about your options when you do work with multiple clients in that same niche. First of all, I love it. Keep at it. This is how you take those results and you share them on your platforms. You share them on your website. You put them in your proposals. Um, Maybe we call it a proposal. Sometimes we just call it a capabilities deck with a little bit of customization. Um, Either way, when you have compelling case studies in there, clients look at that and they go, okay, I get it. This is what they can do for us. It's very visually clear. It's, and we cover all of this in the Agency Accelerator. We walk you through exactly, we actually did a masterclass on exactly how you create compelling, meaningful, 
case studies that will move the needle in your business. So now you have multiple clients in a similar niche. Um, how do you pitch the media? So the you know again back to the fundamentals. It's all about storytelling, really honing your pitching your pitching skills so that you can position these different products or companies or authors or you know mus musicians, whatever your niche is, and show them to the editor that they're different. You know, tell the story in the most powerful way so that the editor understands those differences between the products or the brands or the experts that you're pitching for the same feature. And it's up to us to highlight what is unique and select the best options for each brand in our pitches. So depending on what the editor is working on or whatever your pitch angle is, you're going to be kind of shifting between different products or different um, aspects of the brand that you want to highlight. And it's up to us through storytelling to show how they're different. So you want to hone your pitching skills. That's how you land more press features. Um, you know, even if you're working with clients that are really similar, it's pretty easy to set them apart by highlighting differences, highlighting um, the way a product performs or the um, you know, ingredients of something or the mechanism for how something works. Um, and you can still pitch more than one client in the same email. We talk about this actually in our program called the Pitch Lab, which is really comprehensive and awesome and great if you're looking to really hone your skills. If you're listening to this podcast that's called Pitching Powerhouse, we want to turn you into a pitching powerhouse. And we do that in the Pitch Lab. It's literally turnkey every single thing you'd need to know about pitching the media, how to do it, how to build media lists all the way, you know, building a strategy, um, crafting compelling pitches all the way to leveraging those results. And then we give you monthly execution plans with like editorial calendars from all of these heritage, you know, typical like large publications. So you can work towards those lead times for your clients. Um, it's, it's awesome. I mean, this resource is so valuable and affordable. Anyway, that's the pitch lab. Um, if you're kind of looking to learn a little bit more about what we have to offer, that would be a great, great place to start because there's no commitment. You sort of pay every month as you go. It's under $100 and you can jump in, see what we have to offer you. And then sort of, you know, if you decide it's not for you, you can you can go. But um, it's really, really valuable. We have people that have been in it since we launched it and they're not they're not leaving. <laughs> so I'm so grateful for that. But that's the pitch lab. If you're looking to become a pitching powerhouse, you want to know how you approach the media with similar clients and how you position them so that they can see those differences. We talk about that. That goes back to the fundamentals of great brand positioning, great storytelling. And then we got this really cool tip from a member of our profitable PR pros community. Angela Hathaway shared it. Angela, if you're listening, hi, thank you for this awesome tip. Um, she will create a gift guide specific to her agency for each year for whether it's a, uh, I'm not, <laughs> so for each uh, client in her agency every year for holiday gift guides, you know, that pitching season, um, if it's other holiday gifting seasons like Mother's Day or Father's Day, Valentine's Day, and then she'll feature 
all of her CPG clients. So anything that's a brand, a consumer packaged good. And she'll show those as gift guides. So it's already kind of positioned in a digestible way. It could be for gift recipient or price point or a certain interest that somebody has, like for the dad who loves to barbecue. And then she'll show a couple, you know, so when you need, when you have a niche, you can really laser in on some really cool gift guide layouts. So editors can see, oh, like that's super gifty or this looks awesome. And they will also um, call out two or three specific items that they have in those gift guides or clients that she wants the publication or that editor to focus on and then link to the rest of the gift guide in the closing. And it's been a super effective strategy for her because often these editors are working on multiple gift guides and they may use that attached guide to pull clients that are unrelated to that original pitch topic. So one of those other sort of easy tips to capitalize on this is to include certain keywords in your pitch so that they save it and then they can look back and say, oh yeah, I remember somebody pitched me something that included like, I don't know if it was a suitcase or something travel related, and they will use the search function in their email to find pitches related to travel or suitcase or whatever it is that they're looking for. And if you have that in the body of your pitch or in a file name that you included, um, well, we don't want you to attach pictures, of course, you know, embed it in the original or put a link to a Dropbox if they ask for them. But if you do embed, you can include that product uh, type, you know, so they can search for it. It makes it super easy for them. So, um, you know, whatever you decide to pursue or you think is a conflict, if it feels ick, if it feels uncomfortable, if you feel like it would be awkward to tell the existing client about this prospective new client, to me, that's an indication that it's probably too closely competitive and I shouldn't pursue that work. If it's like, for example, skincare, okay? We have expertise in the beauty space, and that's really valuable. We know the industry, we know the players, we have great contacts, and that's really valuable to beauty brands. So I'm not going to limit my roster to one skincare company, but I would limit it to one organic, natural, premium skincare company. And I might take another skincare that is mass market, um, that is a more affordable price point, um, you know, has like a really compelling founder story that's totally different, you know, trying to figure out, okay, can I make these two brands distinct enough so it's not going to cannibalize opportunities from my existing client if I take this new company? And typically when you're featuring and looking to feature skincare, it's going to be problem-oriented. It's going to be results-driven. It's going to be launch-related. Um, and not everybody's launching products at the same time. Not everybody's focusing on, let's say, eczema or aging, you know, skin laxity or whatever. So we would look and say, okay, we have this existing brand. Does this new company, first of all, does it feel ick? Like if I go to my existing client 
whom we love, we have a great relationship with, will they feel that we're not loyal or will they feel that we are a bit shady, you know, taking on somebody they view as a direct competitor? If, if you have that feeling, I would say no to the new client, let them know it's a conflict. And I go tell my client, hey, by the way, this brand reached out to us. They must be seeing the work we're doing for you and they're interested in working with us. But we let them know it's a conflict because we love working with you. You know, you're trying to really establish that um, partnership, that relationship. Um, but if it was someone that came along and it was not competitive, not a similar price point, not sold in the same stores, you know, one sold at Whole Foods, the other one sold at Sephora, totally different, totally different customer. Then I would let them know, you know, we are going to be working with this other brand, but we're actually really excited about it because we feel that we are going to get editors coming to us with opportunities that we can leverage to secure results for you um, that don't compete. And we know that we can successfully promote both brands without taking opportunities away from the other. But I just wanted to let you know, um, because, you know, you're a great partner to us and we always want to kind of keep you posted on anything that would be relevant to you working with us. And then I would tell the new client too. I mean, they'll probably see in my deck a case study or, or whatever. So um, the first decision is, are they direct competitors? And if they're not, you know, can you get your clients buy-in? If they say no, try to pursue an exclusivity clause, but they have to pay for it. And if they're not willing to pay for it, then they have to live with you working with this other brand. And then when you pitch the media, you can try to really um, highlight the distinctions or only, you know, instead of trying to get the second brand to fit into a story where they kind of don't, really just pitch the ones that are a great fit for that specific feature. Um, and then, of course, I love Angela's suggestion of creating a gift guide with all of the products that her agency represents and making it look really cool, highlighting a few for that gift guide season, a few that would be a fit for that publication, and then link out to the rest of the gift guide so that editors can see who else she has, what else she represents, and, um, you know, kind of pull other clients in other features because they saw it. And now they know who, you know, what her agency's niche is and what kind of clients she has and what to go to her for. So that is a great way to approach it. I always want you to look at the way you're running your agency with the goal of keeping your current clients happy, keeping them in the door. Clients that pay you, that treat you well, those are clients you want to keep. So, you know, a bird in the hand, that, that whole expression, it's risky to go and kind of alienate a great client to kind of see what else is out there. You know, the grass isn't always greener. And sometimes with a bigger budget, um, they may, you know, a newer client may have a lot more challenges working with them. Bigger companies, you know, the bigger they are, the more kind of hurdles and hoops and layers and uh, organizational challenges you have. Um, so always focus on this as the uh, service pillar 
in strategy, sales, service, and scale. You want to serve your clients, treat them extremely well. They never want to leave. And this is how you build a solid foundation of consistent, predictable, recurring retainer revenue. And honestly, there's nothing better than that. (laughs) That is like the dream, right? You know, pretty much how much money you're going to make every month. You're getting paid in advance of your services. That's the dream. And you take the results you get in those niches you've carved out and you leverage them to attract bigger clients, higher retainers. That's going back to that strategy pillar. So um, that's what I have for you today. If you have this problem, I mean, you know, clapping, good for you, because it means you're growing your business and you're attracting clients. They're seeing you and they're saying, whatever you're doing, I want you to do it for me. Um, And that's fantastic. So awesome. And, uh, you know, there's ways that you can handle it. Always be a great partner to your existing clients. You want them to stick around. If they pay you, they treat you well, they're happy with results, that's an ideal client. So decide how you feel. If it has that kind of ick factor, like, ooh, I feel really awkward going and telling them. It doesn't feel right. Then maybe it's not ethical or maybe it's going to be a conflict that you probably shouldn't um, be comfortable with. So um, that's what I have for you guys today. Hit me up, like I said, on Instagram. Let me know that you listened to the show, um, how you found us, anything. Just say hi. I love it so, so much. And again, if you would be so kind as to leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, I would be so grateful. And maybe share it with somebody in your industry um, who might be interested in learning about how to grow and scale a profitable agency and how to become a pitching powerhouse. All right, guys, until next time, have a great rest of your week, and I will be here next week with another episode of The Pitching Powerhouse. See you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Pitching Powerhouse Podcast. If you're ready to up-level your pitching skills so that you can provide stellar services to your clients, you should think about joining The Pitch Lab. Check out the link in the episode description to learn more. So the Pitch Lab is this awesome, incredible monthly membership experience where you will get the proven formula for crafting PR pitches that actually convert and get tons of strategic, timely pitch angles so you never run out of pitch ideas again. Oh, and you also get access to incredible monthly execution plans that save you hours of time and include irresistible pitch angles that the media cannot ignore. With relevant and timely strategies and topics for PR coverage during current events, holidays, monthly awareness observances, say that fast three times, seasonal events, and more, you'll be able to create PR content that makes your clients stand out, even if you are new to PR. So check out the link in this episode's description to learn more. And as always, Be sure to tune into next week for another incredible episode packed with the insights you need to become a pitching powerhouse.